don't forget that like, you know, in the sort of Enochian lore and in, in the mythology of Samaria, all the things, all the arts and crafts and all the technologies of civilization like farming and, and metallurgy and stuff were all given to us by the spirits, right? Yeah. So I feel like there is an intractable link between the human like will to create things and, and imagination and the right. spirit world. Like every oyster mushroom is is one is one organism that has branched off and extended itself mm-hmm. through gulfs of time that we can barely comprehend. All we're eating are the fruits that it produces in return for us cultivating it. Like you know, lie down in bed and, and and try to make it actually happen. Um but what I found was that more often I would have spontaneous experiences. Like I would, uh, I would come home really tired from school or something, and lie down on the couch, and then I would feel myself like roll off the couch and like slowly drift to the ground and like bounce off the floor. Um, or I would have experiences where I would I would sort of leave my body and not realize it, and walk around my house at night and get outside uh, in my backyard. And I would think, like, am I asleep or am I awake? Hello, and welcome to the Spirit Box podcast, where we explore folklore, magic, the world of the spirits, and everything in between. For episode 73, we're joined by Ren Collier. Ren is a ritual magician and an avid scholar of the paranormal, having been obsessed from an early age with the anomalous and the occult. He's a skilled creator and maker, crafting beautiful magical tools. He's a keen gardener and mushroom cultivator and has created an online calculator, which I'm sure you've all used, uh, utilizing the new Aeon English Kabbalah. So anybody who's been obsessed with Hellier and the impact that made in the occult group will have no doubt used this um, really cool tool that uh, Ren developed. So in today's show, we talk creativity, we talk magic, we talk about finding animism in one's garden, and we talk about Ren's remarkable astral travel experiences and the importance of dreams. In the Plus Show, we discuss dreaming further and get into cryptocurrency wizardry and technology in a broader sense as, as Ren takes us through um, the creation of the um, new Aeon English Kabbalah cipher tool and his thoughts in Hellier. That's all in the Plus Show. And if you'd like to hear the Plus Show, you know the drill. Sign up to the Patreon and you'll get this Plus Show and all of the archive material. Now, before we start, I'd like to give a big thank you to the Ank patron members. Ikaro, William O, Robert W, Roland B, Steph, Tim, Tao, Wei, Pamela, Michelle, Merrily, Marco, Jen, Hannah, Flora, Eric, Desiree, Austin, Ali, Carrie S, Brennan, Tyler, Madeline, and Jorge. Thank you all so much for your support. It's hugely helpful. Now, if you'd like to support the show with Patreon is a new thing, you can buy me coffee, uh, via the link in the show notes, or drop me a, a positive view. Give me the old five stars. That'd be awesome. Now, as you know, I'm always interested in people's experiences with the others. So if you have a, a story about the jinn, or the shadow people, or the fae, then reach out to me. I'd love to hear it. Let's get on with the show. Ren Collier, you're very welcome to the Spirit Box. It's lovely to have you. Hello. <laughs> So you're 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 very welcome, and um, 
we've been going back on uh, back and forth on on, on Twitter uh, arranging the interview so I'm delighted to, to, to have you here and um, just to kind of uh, get the get the, the show moving could you introduce yourself and kind of broadly your areas of interest to the spirit box audience sure um, awesome and thank you for inviting me on I'm a huge fan of the show so it's it's an honor um, so my areas of interest kind of jump all over the place, kind of depending on like whatever I'm most interested in in any given moment. Um, I kind of started out with paranormal stuff as a, as a kid being very interested in like UFOs and, you know, believed that I was like an alien abductee when I was a kid and stuff. And I uh, watched a lot of the X-Files and uh, Unsolved Mysteries and stuff. But as I got older, um, I started getting into like in my in, when I was a teenager, um, I was friends with a kid in high school who uh, bought a copy of the Simon Necronomicon. And, you know, I remember reading that and just being like blown away that it's like, wait, is this real? Like, is he saying that you can really do magic or is this just all like a uh, fiction or whatever? And um, then later, I think I picked up a copy of Donald Michael Craig's Modern Magic in my local sort of big box retail uh, bookstore. And, and started doing that. And that's a very like sort of golden dawn with some Thalamic stuff put into it, but it isn't, you know, specifically Thalamic. Um, and I sort of left it alone for a while. It wasn't until I, I got a little older and I started, um, I think I actually learned about, about sigil magic and stuff uh, from like Grant Morrison's pop magic and got interested in magic again. And uh, specifically like chaos magic. And I read like Pete Carroll and, and uh, I think I read Lieber and Owen Psychonaut and I got really pumped about magic again. Um, but then I got drawn to uh, like Goetia and, and spirit contact in particular, um, because at the same time I was sort of getting more into magic again. Um, I also was having to make these like long drives at night. Um, and I was looking for things to listen to. And I started listening to coast to coast AM again, because it was like late at night and I had it on my, uh, XM radio. And so eventually XM stopped broadcasting coast to coast. So I was like, I started looking at podcasts like, and I found, uh, like radio Mysterioso and where did the road go and some other sort of paranormal podcasts. And my interest in like UFOs got sparked again. Um, you know, I was recommended to read, like, I'd never really read any Jacques Vallée. So I read uh, Passport to Magonia. And while reading it, there's a whole section where this guy, I think it's Fascist Cardin, talks about uh, summoning the sylphs. And the sylphs that appear are effectively just like, you know, uh, sort of space brother contact T, you know, entities, uh, which is exactly, you know, Vallée is making that connection there between, you know, these, these, entities that this guy's summoning in like Renaissance Europe. And then later on, you know, meeting these blonde haired, tall blonde aliens out in the middle of the desert in America. And I, I had this like epiphany at the time and I realized, Oh, it's all the same thing. Like if I want to meet an alien, I need to do magic because magic is conjuring the aliens. Like they're the same thing. This is all related. And so I started getting very much, into sort of ceremonial ritual magic and uh, ended up getting led um, to the works of Rufus Opus, 
uh, and his like uh, Seven Spheres book and and learned about the Trithenian method and stuff. And that's what led to me making all of those tools and stuff that I, I've posted pictures of on social media. Um, and that has led to a lot of productive sort of spirit work since then. But yeah, typically, I mean, that's where I guess the core of my interest in practice lies right now, like specifically in, in angel magic, because I, I started a year ago or two years ago, actually getting mentored by Scott Stenwick in Minneapolis at the leaping laughter OTO lodge up here. So like I joined the OTO, um, you know, took my Minerval and first degree and started training under Scott. And that whole thing has kind of been put on hold since the pandemic started because we stopped having in-person meetings. And unfortunately that's kind of like sapped my magical practice a lot too because it's like i sure. realized i really started to enjoy practicing magic in a group and yeah. once it was a solo practice again it's like i ah, just i can't keep it up it's like yeah i get less interested when i don't have someone else to work with kind yeah leads credence to the whole thing with them you know scryers having you know you have a magician and a scryer right you have yeah. two people and it's like oh there's actually a good reason for that <laughs> Yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I think it's 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 an important distinction as well you made there, like that. Um, you know, the, there was this feeling, or there was this kind of sense when kind of the the, the everything went online. You know, um, on mass, um, like uh, when COVID first hit, that you know it's it's okay, we can do this digitally. You know, and um, there's actually a lot of stuff that you can't really. You know, and it's 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 not a it's not a like for like at all you know um uh, it's one of those things as well like as much as you know we we were chatting about kind of you know uh, just before we hit record about uh, you and i both have created um occult digital products um and experiences and um they're cool and you know they're interesting fun projects to do and creative exercises um you know, for example, with the Sigil Engine, lots of people say to me, you know, it, it doesn't beat the the material hands on 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 version of it, and I'm like, absolutely, you do you, you know, it's 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 not supposed yeah, yeah. to, you know, um, but yeah, it's it's an important thing, um, kind of realizing it's not an a like for like substitute, um, mm. as as the pros and cons, um, <laughs> a lot of cons, <laughs> we're all pretty sick of it, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's a good distinction, and and in terms of because you mentioned you wanted to kind of get into spirit contact and kind of we're we're curious about um, um, the extraterrestrial um, phenomenon um, from. Mm great shows like uh where did the road go awesome show uh and then valet's work and passport to magonia mm-hmm. and um and you start to see these things start to, to interconnect and you go like okay, okay well, hang on a second these are very similar um and and it is a proper kind of a holy shit moment when you get there right you know uh <laughs> and like with the, your pursuits then in, in, in angel magic you know mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, I guess the the, the, fun, the fundamental question is, you know, have have you been able to make contact or have any of those holy shit moments in practice? It's it's tough. Like I can't sit here and say that I've had like a full on like visionary yeah. experience. Um, like I haven't been able to conjure something to physical manifestation. Like mm-hmm. that's what I've been working towards, and I, I do believe it's possible, but I can't personally say I've done that. No, yeah. I have seen things in my crystal and scry mirror and stuff oh, wow. while i'm doing this so like uh i remember at one point 
it's all very vague. I mean, that's that's the hard part of talking about this because I don't yeah. want to BS people, right? And give people the, because uh, I think a lot of magicians talk up what mm-hmm. they've experienced, right? And then it gives the wrong impression to people who are just getting into this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like staring into the scrying mirror, doing the ritual and stuff, like I did start to see what looked like like a misty shape of like a bird in flight, like in profile. Wow. Didn't yeah. see anything else. It, there was nothing necessarily very profound about it, but it was something that mm-hmm. I saw, mm-hmm. you know, that, that wasn't, as far as I know, it wasn't just my imagination. Yeah. Um, and I think other than that, I had a, I had a couple little small manifestations. Like mm-hmm. I heard someone very distinctly say from like behind me and to my left, like uh, speak, just sounded like someone was in the room with me and just wow. said it. It wasn't like in my head or anything. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It could have been somebody outside, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. saying it to someone else. And I just overheard them, but mm-hmm. it sounded like it was in the room with me. Um, but not, not, you know, after that, it's like nothing else really happened. Like yeah. kind of sat there for a minute and then started to speak, but didn't get any more. It's it's really interesting. Like and, and the point you made a kind of like magicians talking about the, mm-hmm. I mean, like almost a bit of a pissing contest, you know, mm-hmm. about who's seen the most spirits, right? And who's conjured the most things like, but when you talk to uh, say people who are visionaries by accident, mm-hmm. you know, most of them, they're, they're not fucking happy about it. Like it's kind of, yeah. they seem as well, this is, this has been hugely disruptive or it's, you know, it's tormenting and, and, and mm-hmm. really challenging and that kind of stuff, you know, um, I'm not happy about it, but it, it also, a lot of the time, there's no, particularly in the West, right? There's no culture to yeah. surround people, you know, mm-hmm. or to like, like, like you're describing training to practice magic, to have those experiences, to have those communications. People who are accidental mm-hmm. visionaries often have no training. They're just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And what I do feel too, though, I, I feel like a lot of emphasis gets placed on the visual aspect of mm-hmm. things. Um, in particular, like visual manifestation of a spirit that like Stephen Skinner talks about a lot. Yeah. Like, like uh, this, and Stephen Skinner doesn't necessarily say this, but a lot of, I've heard this in other places that it's like, if you did, if you don't get a visual manifestation, it didn't work, you know, when and I understand Stephen's argument that how do you know it worked if you don't get a physical manifestation? Um, but I've certainly done rituals in which, uh, and this is like another thing for my mentor, my mentor has basically, he's, he says, I'm terrible at seeing things. Like I don't have psychic vision. Like I'm not a visionary, but I can feel things like on my skin. And so when he conjures, he like feels for it there. And like, he kind of knows when the spirit's there because he can like feel it, you know? And, and that's, that's a sense that you do get after a little while doing this is like, all of a sudden you get the sense of like someone's standing in the room with you, you know, like you can't see them. It, it's almost like, have you ever seen um, uh, wings of desire? No, with, with Nicholas cage. No, uh, that was the remake of wings of desire. It's a German uh, movie, black and right. white. Okay. Yeah. But it's yeah. similar. I'm showing my cultural uh, creds here. <laughs> are, are <a> bit poor. <laughs> it's, it's all about like angels. Um, sort of they're, they're sort of psychopompic like they take right. people when they fly and, and sort of and it's following these angels as they kind of go about their daily duties okay and at one point um uh, the actor peter falk plays a colombo he is like in the movie as himself as peter falk he's like in berlin to like shoot a movie or something mm-hmm. um 
And he actually ends up having a conversation with this one angel who's like watching him um, like get coffee. And he, um, you know, he says to the angel, like, I can't see you, but I know you're there. Mm-hmm. You know? And he's like, and that's how I, I feel about spirit contact. A lot of times, like you can't see them. Maybe some people can, maybe I'm just not very, mm-hmm. a very good mm-hmm. magician, but I can feel them sometimes. Like yeah. I've had the sensation while doing ritual that like someone was walking around behind my back. Like I could feel them like, brush up against me. Yeah. That's the thing, you know? Yeah. No, I do. I, I absolutely do know exactly what you mean. I, like it's, it's similar for me, I, I don't see a huge amount of stuff. I've seen things, um, mm-hmm. again, that, but not for like I. They're not things that I've um, purposely gone out to try and, and contact. Right? Um, mm-hmm. It's been been a couple of those like, <laughs> sweet Christ, <laughs> what is that moments? Um, but but subsequently, I, I do know exactly what you're saying. It's that sense of presence, and mm-hmm. and there's a, a subtle shift in the energy of the room. You know, in yeah. magical space. Yeah. That, that like thing. a heaviness um yeah. like I've, I've seen air currents in the room shift uh, mm. without any external factor like no fans or anything on i remember yeah. that was one like key signal to me that something was happening mm. because the incense smoke started blowing mm-hmm. and i was like there's no air blowing from anywhere so how mm. is this happening yeah um and so i, I think like people if, if they're doing like this type of magic like don't be frustrated if you're not seeing things in the mirror or in the crystal or whatever like sometimes the spirit's there you just need to feel for it in other ways mm-hmm. maybe smells or sounds or you know there's a lot of ways it can manifest and I, you know i think everybody's got different aptitudes for for various things so yeah. you kind of just have to have to feel for it but once you do it enough you do get the sense of how to feel for it right right what was i gonna say yeah um so yeah, what i was gonna say is in, in terms of like looking into the paranormal um and mm-hmm. you know working with spirits through magic that the, the spirit world starts to pay attention to you a little bit more you know and with mm-hmm. that there are a number of of um, and I, this is a very loose theory that i have but with that mm-hmm. it is a number of side effects in in terms of mm-hmm what you as in what we we as individuals start to do and how we kind of start to express ourselves in a different way and like mm-hmm. art is a massive one i often find that kind of people with kind of that pilot light of creative energy you know are often in this space right mm-hmm. they're often kind of um exploring the world of spirit in whatever capacity it might be you know and and and, and it begs questions around kind of what creativity is you know what actually is happening is it kind of received impetus and you know are you being kind of a more of a vessel for 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 art and for creative expression so there's a couple things there so there's creativity there's and that manifests in different ways Um, and kind of one of the ways that kind of i've observed on on on, um kind of your social is just all the kind of really cool things that you create you know both kind of like technical and uh, physical things you know Mm -hmm. um so kind of and, and and executed really well like again your your altar is is just fucking cool like i mean from even if i you know even if i had no idea what was on the the the, the altar like just from an aesthetic point of view i appreciate kind of the 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 quality of execution is awesome um uh, and then equally in 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 developing um the the naq and and then also now you're kind of working um 
getting close to kind of your nature and your own food production and kind of you know um, some of the projects you've got on the go there and and it, it was one of those things that kind of I was looking at kind of your work and I go I, I do so so many, so many similar things and a lot of it is very much for me personally is intertwined with kind of my magical practices like you know my garden I've always loved gardening and I realized well that's probably just because I'm I have that energy of like I I I vibe off, you know, growing stuff that kind of gives me an awful lot. Like it gives me, uh, it's, it's very meditative for me. It's very um, relaxing and healing and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it stops the chatter in my head if mm-hmm. I'm out in my, my, my garden doing that work. Um, but now it's kind of evolved into, it's taking me into the kitchen where I'm, you know, playing with preserving my food or food, producing food in different ways. Um and and also kind of you know like making my own tinctures and medicine and all that kind of stuff and and it's 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 changed how i think you know um but all of that's intertwined with kind of my belief of kind of like the kind of sentience in plants uh, and and kind of wrapped up in animals that's a very very long-winded question <laughs> uh, <laughs> but ultimately i was going to ask you about your creativity and kind of how it expresses itself and what you think is what, what you think is, is 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 going on there and is it intertwined with your your magic practice yeah i i definitely feel like it is um i mean don't forget that like you know in the sort of enochian lore and in in the mythology of samaria all the things, all the arts and crafts and all the technologies of civilization like farming and, and metallurgy and stuff were all given to us by the spirits, right? Yeah. So I feel like there is an intractable link between the human like will to create things and, and imagination and the right. spirit world. So for me, it, I mean, it's also like, not to get too Alan more about it, but it is like a magical act, like gardening, right? Growing something, right? Because it is manifesting a will. It is, it is taking something from nothing and turning it into food, right? Something mm-hmm. that can sustain life. It's like a very, I don't know. I've, I've always been into like gardening, but it wasn't until I think this year that I really had the space to do it. Cause I yeah. like, bought a house last September and it was like, I finally had a, a large enough space that I could really try to grow a lot of things. And it's been challenging because I'm like first year really doing it. I'm not very good at it. So I've had lots of little mishaps and figuring things out as I go. And, you know, I was doing the same thing with mycology as well, because I have a whole tent set up where I built a humidifier and a flow hood and I've started, you know, growing mushrooms and stuff in that. And that's been really rewarding. Um, The mushrooms were especially, I think, rewarding to grow. Like, I, I totally agree with you about the sentience of plants. And I think that definitely extends to, to fungus as well. Yeah. Um, because that's one thing I like, I don't know, this is very, uh, very strange, I guess. And I'm not necessarily talking about psychedelic mushrooms, but even just like gourmet mushrooms that you would just eat. I got the sense when I was making them that um, I had built this relationship between the mycelium that made up the main body and its fruits that it were, it was producing. And it, I remember my partner was kind of upset about eating the mushrooms. Cause she was like, um, I feel kind of bad, like mm. eating them. <laughs> and I was like, but you're not eating the mushroom. There's only, I don't know. It's, it's something that I completely out the cuff said this, but it was like, I was like, there's only one mushroom, like every oyster mushroom 
is is one it's one organism that has branched off and extended itself mm-hmm. through gulfs of time that we can barely comprehend. All we're eating are the fruits that it produces in return for us cultivating it. Yeah. Like it, this is our reward for cultivating and, and it's, it's life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's been really rewarding. Um, and I'm, I'm getting into making medicine, like you mentioned, tinctures and stuff. Like I've got some reishi growing now and some lion's mane that I really oh, want wow, to try. Cool. So that's going to be a, another sort of fun experiment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in general, I, I've said this before um, on socials and stuff about how it's kind of funny when you look at uh, like lists of offices of spirits and like the Govisha and stuff. And it talks about them teaching you about precious, uh, precious minerals and, and crystals and herbs and all these different sort of arts and crafts things. And I'm like, you have to learn all that stuff to conjure them in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, it, it's almost like a retrocausal kind of thing, right? Like yeah. you need to learn leatherworking and metallurgy and all of these other things to build the tools necessary to get taught those things. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember when I was learning, I like when I was making this uh, trithenian tables and like the altar setup and stuff I did, I had to learn like how to do acid etching, which is something I, I never, you know, I spent a lot of time on YouTube basically <laughs> looking up every example I could find of like how to do this thing. And then I would screw it up, you know, five or six times before I could finally correctly yep. accomplish it. And I think there's something to be said about working with beautiful tools. Like I'm lucky in that, like I have income and stuff that allows me to purchase materials and tools and things that allow me to make stuff like this. And I, I, the worst, the thing I would like always want to avoid is, is other people looking at like my setup and being like, I need to also have that in order to do magic. It's like, you don't, <laughs> I promise you, you can do magic with much simpler setup than I have. Yeah. For me, it's just, I have a really obsessive personality. And once I start working on something, I tend to sort of take it to an extreme that a lot of people don't. Um, and I also am an autodidact. So I spent a lot of time just like learning how to do all of these different things. Um, and it's, it's rewarding in the end, but it's not necessary either. So I want that to be clear to people. Yeah. Like you can do magic with a much simpler setup than what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I just prefer to have it because I feel like it enhances my experience of doing magic. Um, Cause like, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, but magic is LARPing to some extent, right? Yeah. Like when you're doing a ritual and you're dressed up in funny outfit and you've got a wand and everything, it is a bit like, like playing live action Dungeons and Dragons. It's uh like magic is like the theater kids playground. Um, and, but that's also like how you get good magic. That's also how you get good ritual is like a sense of, of dramatics, like a sense of theatrics and, like some of the best rituals I've I've been part of had that sense that you were in a like a play, you were in some sort of mm-hmm. sort of you know uh, production, and you were all doing your different roles and everything. Like if people have never, and that's like I mentioned before, that's one thing I really got out working with a group was that ability to have these almost theatrical productions put on. Right. Um, that is just so hard to do when you're just by yourself. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, I like I like your point that it's um, it's not necessary, but it, it can help get 
individuals there you know it can kind of like um help kind of build the the potency for things uh yeah i i found that's in a similar place where like things from like on my altar some of them are, are like from different places where i've been around the world and how i visualize that is like it's like accumulating like holiness or power that that kind of resonates from my altar it's you know that complete yeah. nonsense but it works for me you know and i think that's the the, the, yeah, the yeah. key point you know um looking at the the i love how you describe um the your your growing of mushrooms and kind of that those epiphanies and kind of how, how you sort of see way beyond the fruit um when, when you build a relationship with with um uh plants of mycelia that you're your work you start to work with and it certainly kind of with, with my gardening process um where, where i as a city already it's kind of just, it's hugely meditative for me and kind of like um just brings me back from you know sitting in front of screens all the time it's a wonderful escape from all that and uh, and, and, and and very special but how it's changed how i think is is massive and it's only really kind of dawned on me of late that kind of i'm, I'm five seasons in, in in my garden now like and i start to think about like well where the sun is seasons a lot more you know i start mm. to think about the impact of like microclimates and and what plants thrive where and why you know and you start to think about their their the nutrients that they take out of the soil and ultimately that's got me to a very animistic place like mm-hmm. it, it, which is an interesting kind of corkscrew thought if you look at it in a lot of ways you know like well how the fuck did you get there like you know if, if you're talking about like the nitrogen content of your soil to somehow thinking about the spirit of it you know um but that it's it that does happen yeah, yeah. i i totally agree with you i mean i i feel like and that's something that until you mentioned that like i i didn't realize that i'd Notice that as well, like having to actually pay attention to what's going on outside mm. and like the world around you. Like, mm. um, I'm, I think I made a lot of rookie mistakes this year because I, when I first started out gardening, I wasn't paying attention to a lot of those things. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought it'd be a good idea to plant six squash plants. And now I have more squash than I ever want to eat. <laughs> like, I'm squash. Um, but it was like learning sort of, the natures of those plants, like how much they produce and what kind of weather they like. And also understanding too, like the nature of like their life cycles. Cause mm-hmm. like I, I having not really grown a whole lot before, I didn't understand how, you know, if we have spikes in temperature, it might cause my lettuces to bolt and mm-hmm. right and start producing flowers and go bitter. Yeah. Um, and so like learning, getting intimate with like their own life cycles has been immensely rewarding. And yeah, like you, it's almost, I, I don't understand how you could do it and not be animist. Cause I think like some people even get this intuitively without even thinking about it. Like we're thinking yeah. about it. Like my, my mom told me um, several months ago, we were talking about gardening and she had told me that they had a bunch of tomato plants that are at her house. And, uh, they originally just had a couple and they had over the seasons, they have multiplied a ton. And so they have like uh, 30 tomato plants or something now. And she told me that they play them country music because she's like down South in Alabama. And I'm like, right. why do you play them country music? And she's like, I don't know. They just, like, they like the music. Yeah. 
you know, and she's not, she doesn't think like me at all. Yeah. She yeah. is not like into the paranormal stuff at all, but she just intuitively knows, Hey, these plants like this kind of music and I'm going to yeah. play them this music because they enjoy it and they grow better fruit when they listen to it. Hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I love that stuff. I, really I think do. that's amazing that people get on that. Yeah. They, 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 they find themselves there and, and, and then what was I going to say? It, it's, it, and from, from that point to kind of like, when you start, what am I trying to say is that one of the things that's really started to, I, I don't know, I've just developed this practice this year. I don't know. I think I've just read so much about fairies that I've started doing this, that um, it's so deep into my brain, but I spend a lot of time in, in, in my garden at night. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of go out to kind of initially it was like part of just kind of going out to essentially put my plants to bed and patrol them and make sure there's no pest hammering them. But now I kind of like I do that, but I also spend time in like a silent garden listening to the night, you know, and listening to the movement of the wind, the plants and all that kind of stuff. Um, and since I started doing that, I get a lot more of a sense of spirit in the place, you know, mm -hmm. and as to you were talking about earlier on that sense of something behind you that's certainly um a lot more kind of prevalent of like there's something there you know mm -hmm. and like um that and I, and I like to think that that's the spirit of place you know that's appreciative of the fact that you're 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 undertaking a form of stewardship on the land you know mm -hmm. um and I, I think that i think there is a an exchange there you know, uh, that could be very naive, but it's kind of how I feel about it. No, I, I feel the same way. Like, um, I need to actually try that. I don't think I've really sat outside with my plants at night, but I should try that sometime. Um, it's funny because I do talk about them a lot as if they were persons. Like, yeah. uh, like um, I, I posted some pictures of like the hydroponic like towers that I built. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, there's some uh, there's some lettuces and stuff that are growing in those now. And it got really chilly last night and uh, they had all sort of curled up and gotten tighter, I guess, to preserve warmth. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know, we were talking about them. It's like, oh, they must have been chilly last night. They were all trying to get warm. And it's like you talk about them as if, uh, I mean, they are living things, obviously, but you talk about them with like personhood rather than, mm -hmm. and then I don't know, then, then it ends up making me kind of guilty to, to eat them. I remember even, even plants earlier this year, like when the, uh, like arugula bolted and it was you know no longer useful you know i yeah. i kind of was like hesitant to pull it up and like re-sew yeah. plants. you know i felt bad about it yeah no i know exactly what you mean there are certain jobs that kind of like i i you know like pruning plants that's necessary to say force them to grow i mean uh, it doesn't sound like you've got that problem with your squashes it sounds like you've <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're no, uh, I, you're stacked with I, them pruning is a skill that i'm slowly picking up on yeah and and um just to kind of force the energy into the fruit and stop the kind of the tendrils growing is um mm -hmm. is is a a good technique but it's like i always apologize to the plant kind of what i do is you know it, it's um it's definitely a yeah. shift in how 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 to think you know um but interestingly enough again like talking about from there into the kitchen this is going to be the most 
fucking like garden focused spirit box um, show uh, for <laughs> listen everybody listening just, yeah you just just stop bitching and go and buy some fucking plants and go and sit in your garden tonight you'll see what we're talking about um, but the one of the, one of the and I saw this I saw this on, on your social as well you, you were making kimchi out of, out of some of your, your, your products you know um, and like I, I, I'll be doing the same with 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 chili and kind of that's again the same thing it's like you know you start making your own vinegar you start making mm-hmm. kind of your own like lacto ferments uh, mm-hmm. and you're understanding a lot more about the chemical processes that go into things and it's exactly what you're describing it's like all those kind of different tool sets and and kind of experimentation that you do you're mm-hmm. building this kind of jigsaw of capability that ultimately yeah. you get into kind of your in this in that frame kind of alchemical you know <laughs> entry level of alchemical stuff but equally into kind of in, into magical practice but the the spirit of play stuff is is huge i think you know and and one of the things i've been looking at a lot now as well is that whole thing of like uh like cunning woman healers and mm-hmm. kind of receiving the the knowledge for for yeah. medicinal plants from their their kind of their fairy ally you know yeah that's, that's something I wish I had more, I guess, knowledge of. Like, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I found out that my, like, great-great-grandmother, for me, it was great-grandmother, um, on my dad's side, was a cunning woman. Oh, wow. Um, it just got mentioned in passing to me. Like, last time I went home, I wanted, since I, I live in Minnesota, so I'm very far away from sort of my ancestral lands, and I wanted to make sure that when I went down to visit i don't get to visit very often and i wanted to go to all the graves of uh ancestors that i knew about and just like leave them some flowers clean up the grave and collect some grave dirt so i could build Mm -hmm. sort of a family altar up here and make them offerings like where i am now Mm -hmm. um and the grave of of that lady um she was just collier granny was what my dad knew when i was talking to him about her he just offhand said uh yeah one time call your granny rubbed warts off my hands when i was a little kid and i was like wait what what did she do and he was like yeah she she could rub warts off people's hands and like i instantly knew i was like that's a that's an appalachian folk magic thing like that's a powwow thing and i ended up learning that like yeah my my grandmother on my mom's side knew a guy who could stop blood you know he would like one time she had a really bad nosebleed and they tried to get her to go to the hospital. She was like, no, just call this guy. And they called him and he read like the Bible verse over, over the phone and her nose stopped bleeding. And so like learning that there was like some sort of familial connection to that, um, really, it was, it was really interesting to me. And it got me really into Appalachian folk magic and then, uh, like cunning man, cunning folk kind of magic. And it's like, even though I don't personally consider myself like a Christian, um, I have no problem using psalms and, and mm-hmm. like blood stopping charms and all this kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, and that, that's the other interesting thing too, that I've learned from working with angels and not necessarily being Christian is that they're like willing to listen, even if you're not of the faith, you know, I think they just like humans. Right. They don't really necessarily, maybe they would like me to be a Christian. I, don't know. <laughs> I never really asked them, but yeah, I, I love cunning stuff. Like, the fairy, the fairy question is a little different here because it's like I don't. I'm fairly certain that the Americas have their own versions of fairies, right? Like you have um, 
like the Albatriches in the Pennsylvanias. I mean, Bigfoot is more than likely some sort of like faithful kind of creature. Um, and in the, uh, in the South and in, in the Appalachians uh, in Georgia in particular, um, the Cherokee people there had, I can't remember the, it's like the Nunnawee, I think is the name. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's like, when you read the description on Wikipedia, it says the Cherokee believed that these were like a small race of magical folk who lived underground. <laughs> and I was like, that that literally varies. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really get more the same than that. And they have all these legends about, you know, them being sort of tricksters and stealing people and kidnapping them, and taking them to fairy war, the fairylands yeah. and everything. Very, very similar, but it's like, I can't say that. I don't know. I need to, look more into the, the sort of cultural lore of the area I live in now and mm-hmm. see if I can find something similar. Cause I would love to explore that more. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, the, um, the mythology and folklore, it just seems to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. The, when I, when I first started looking at the, the kind of the fairy lore after kind of studying a lot of the gin stuff like oh, it just blew me away i mean it's blindly obvious mm-hmm. right you know it's one of those silly things that you just ignore the local stuff until someone else tells you about it and then kind of get into your local tradition you find this whole you know just vast body of of of, of folklore it's it's amazing um so with your the the, the kind of the the, the the cunning woman uh, in, in in your ancestry uh, has that given you kind of a, a, a an impetus to kind of pursue that area um, and is there a tension between that and kind of your 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 kind of um, more ritual magic practice? It has, um, and I've, I feel like I've been able to like um, not syncretize isn't the right word, but sort of combine the practices like. Because I feel like a lot of the powwow and cunning folk stuff, um, I tend to think of people like like Joseph Smith, uh, who was very much a ceremonial magician. I think he had a copy of um, of the Magus, oh, and right. um, actually modeled my uh, my black handled knife after Joseph Smith's black handled knife because I like that I like the like way he designed it. So, um, not many, I guess people in Mormonism realize how much of a magician he was, but he was also steeped in that sort of power tradition as well. And I feel like they're not necessarily at odds with each other. Hmm. Um, it's all just, uh, you know, natural philosophy, I guess, as a group would say, you know, it's all, it's not necessarily, um, like, I, I don't even think people would even consider it, people would have considered it magic, you know? Cause like when, I think when cunning folk and powwow people like do stuff like blood stopping charms or talking the fire out of burns and things like that, they don't necessarily think of that as magic anyway. I mean, they're doing magic, but they're not, they wouldn't think of it as that. They would think of it as, you know, uh, something granted to them by the grace of God or something. Right. And it has opened up me up to, sort of a primary focus in my own magic. Um, like I found that I really like doing magic to try to like heal people or, or help people with illnesses or surgeries or things like that. And it's, it's something that, that I don't do super often. And I also don't make any promises about it. You know, I, I get permission from someone and I say, I'll, I'll see what I can do to help. I can't promise this is going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so far it's worked out really well. Um, like my little brother was struggling with some addiction issues. Uh, so I, um, without him knowing this, actually, I didn't ask him for permission because he's my little brother, but I, uh, <laughs> that, that's brother relationships. That's fine. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. within the rules. Yeah. So I, um, I, I did a conjuration of Raphael using the uh, operant field method that my, my mentor uh, uses and taught me and basically just asked him to, you know, give my little brother the strength to, you know, kick whatever he was on and to sort of help him and get him guide him through it. Um, probably just a very complicated version of something like a Catholic grandmother would do with yeah. on of St. Raphael or something. Yeah. But you know, like the next day, he called me and told me that he was going to try going cold Turkey and, and managed to uh, get off what he was on and hasn't been, he's been clean since. So oh, awesome. I feel like it worked fantastically. And I, you know, mm. during that ritual, that's, that's the thing I, I kind of missed earlier. Um, other than just a sense of presence, I didn't necessarily see Raphael visibly manifest to me mm. or anything, you know, it's just, I felt like he was there and I made my petition and I let it go. And it had results. So I like, I think ultimately like results are what matters, not necessarily what happens during the ritual. Yeah. That makes um, sense. Like having a confirmation that it worked is great, but what really matters is like what happens in the end. Did your magic work or not? Yeah. Yeah. Oops, my, I think my, in, I got dicey internet. I am, um, it's been really shit this week. Good. So my apologies if I look like I'm That's frozen. Good cool. I am, um, so in, in terms of like your, your initial explorations into this area, um, so you, you came in from that kind of paranormal route, um, that brought you into kind of, uh, magic and, and, and you've kind of developed from, from, from there. Um, where, what part does the, or what, what kind of place does the paranormal play in, in, in your life? You know, if we kind of, park the magic stuff in terms of the, the weirdness and the high strangeness. Is that still a pull for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I honestly feel like that's still my, my focus. Um, like especially, uh, things like out of body experiences. Um, I did a, a show with, with Douglas Bachelor and about out of body experiences and journeying and stuff. And like, Honestly, more than magic or anything else, that's been the uh, primary sort of thing I've, I guess, uh, I guess struggled with. It's not the right word, but sort of like I've, I've had spontaneous out-of-body experiences since I was like a teen, like early wow. teen. So how did you pass that up? Um, I mean, <laughs> let, let's go there. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, I got really interested in it because I, it started out as just sleep paralysis right. as, as a kid. Right. And that's why I mentioned earlier, I thought that I was an abductee because I would have these experiences where I'd wake up in the middle of the night, be unable to move. And there would mm -hmm. be like things in my room, like little mm -hmm. short, short beings who I would see walk into the bedroom and stuff like that. And so because of the UFO and sort of culture, I was like steeped in at the moment. I was like, Oh, obviously I'm being abducted by aliens. Right. Um, it didn't help that uh, one time I had somebody sleep over and uh, the next morning they told me they woke up in the middle of the night and I was sitting on the edge of my bed with a gray alien next to me. And I told him it was okay to go back to sleep. And so, you know, obviously I don't know if he was lying to me because 
he also told me a lot of other things that I'm not necessarily sure are true, but it didn't help yeah. me when I was a kid. <laughs> and like read communion and just, uh, I eventually I, I had to like divest myself of a lot of that stuff. Cause I got so paranoid that I was like freaking out my parents right? and just had to be like, no more UFO stuff for a while. <laughs> so, um, but later what I learned when I was having these sort of sleep paralysis experiences was that like, sometimes I would feel like I would move outside of like where I physically was. Um, I started reading, uh, I think I picked up a copy of Robert Bruce's astral dynamics, which I still think is a really good book, even if I don't necessarily agree with some of it now. Um, like his, his sort of theories and, and terminology and stuff, but it is still a pretty good user manual for trying to do this stuff. And I was able to like consciously do it like just like a handful of times right. um, where I actually like you know, lie down in bed and, and, and try to make it actually happen. Um, but what I found was that more often I would have spontaneous experiences. Like I would, uh, I would, come home really tired from school or something and lie down on the couch. And then I would feel myself like roll off the couch and like slowly drift to the ground and like bounce off the floor. Um, or I would have experiences where I would, I would sort of leave my body and not realize it and walk around my house at night and get outside uh, in my backyard. And I would think like, am I asleep or am I awake? And then I would try to jump and then I would, jump like a hundred feet up into the air and wow. freak myself out and then snap back to my body. Mm. And so like, it got me really interested in that type of experience. And I feel like those experiences have been far more dramatic from a sort of magical perspective than any sort of ritual magic. Sure. Done. Like, uh, encountering like entities and spirits and stuff sort of out there is, mm -hmm. is very, can be very dramatic. Um, and you know, there's always the question, am I just dreaming, right? Is this just yeah. lucid dreaming? Um, I have no idea. I think lucid dreaming might and astral travel or like whatever you want to call it might actually just be the same thing. Right. Um, but I, I delineate them in the sense that when I have an out of body experience, there's no sensation of going to sleep, right? Like I, I, Consider something a lucid dream if I wake up inside the dream. Right. I consider it an out-of-body experience if there's no break in consciousness that I'm aware of. Like if I go from lying in bed to getting out of my body. Like mm -hmm. uh, even if once I start to move away from like my local environment, like once I leave like my house and my immediate area, things tend to get very strange, right? I'll end up in places I've never seen before in my life or places that are obviously not real or and they're not in the real world. Mm -hmm. and things become very dreamlike. Like I'll see like a giant boar like walking down the street of my neighborhood or something, things wow. like that. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so so you, you mentioned just at the end there, the, the giant boar, but you, and, and just before you got into that, you mentioned these kind of dramatic encounters. Um, could you talk to some of those? Yeah, sure. Um, I think one, one encounter, I, I've talked about this one before. So if anybody's listening, has heard me talk about this before, I'm sorry, but. That, they listen um, to me repeat myself endlessly. So it'll be fine. <laughs> I had a, I had a very dramatic, uh, like witch riding my back kind of experience where I, uh, I was going to sleep, um, one night and 
I was like laying on my side. And as I was drifting off to sleep, I started hearing like this wind rushing through my room and I felt somebody crawl into bed with me um, and like kind of come up behind me and, and spoon with me. And you know, I was like paralyzed and I wanted to get up really badly. And as I was like trying to struggle to get up, I heard a voice saying in my ear, like, stay, like, don't just stay here with me, go to sleep. And I using the phrase like jumping out of your skin. Like I literally jumped out of my body and didn't realize I was out of body at first. Um, but like I jumped up and then I felt something jump onto my back and start riding me around the room. Like I couldn't pull it off of me. And I remember, um, thinking like panicking at myself, thinking like, what do people do in this situation? Uh, like maybe I should call in the name of Christ. And so like, I tried to do like a, you know, like in the name of Christ, I tell you to get off my back and I didn't do anything. I was like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? (laughs) And I, I just got this flash of inspiration that I like, I needed to use like my name, like my will. So I was like in, in my name, like I tell you to get off of me. And Mm -hmm. so I, at that point I was able to like peel off whatever it was and threw it onto the bed. And it was just like this tiny little, um, like black octopus just very squirmy, wriggly little thing, um, kind of like pathetic looking. And I got really, really, really angry because I was just like, how dare this thing come into my house at night and try to like feed on me or whatever it was trying to do to me. Um, and like, I started getting angrier and angrier and felt like I was like turning into some sort of like creature like you know very like michael jackson thriller like mm-hmm. seeing my mm-hmm. my hands like turn into claws and feeling myself like grow huge and i just went over to this thing and just like grabbed it and just like ate it just like shoved it wow. down my throat and i remember that it, it felt like gritty like what? it like um like those toys that are like uh spandex that have like sand inside of them that's yeah. like yeah. how it felt it was like sand inside of like slime and yeah. And then I just like, I think I, since I was out of body, I was like, Oh, well, uh, that was fun. Let's go explore. So I just like, went around the neighborhood or something. <laughs> and for a long time, I was having a lot of experiences that weren't necessarily as dramatic as that, like uh, where something wasn't like attacking me, but I was getting into fights a lot. Right. I would go out of body. Um, I would encounter what I'm just going to describe as like entities, right? Like, and I would, uh, they would always be sort of like adversarial and like predatory in nature. Mm-hmm. Like, um, remember one where I was like fighting off like a velociraptors or something that were like inside of a museum at night. And one where like the giant boar, like it, it acted like it was going to like charge me. And so I just like screamed at it and it got scared and ran off. And just like a lot of those sort of encounters where, I'm always like winning these fights, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always sort of like asserting my my dominance over these entities that are trying to attack me. But then I had an experience where I I went out of body and I wandered around. I ended up in this place where there was this lady who um it was like just a small little room. It was almost like a room that was like too small. Uh, I made the comparison at the time when I was a kid and in school, we used to have these, uh, the local fire department had this tiny replica house 
that kids would, they would take kids into and they would like have like fake smoke and stuff. So they could like show you like how to like check the door and like get out of your house in case there was mm-hmm. a fire. But it was like this little tiny miniature house. So everything inside of it was very small. And that's what it reminded me of. And she it didn't say anything to me. Um, but I got the sense that I was like trapped or I'd had this experience previously where I felt like something had trapped me somewhere and I'd gotten really angry and it forced it to release me. But in this case, uh, you know, I was like, I don't want to be here. I, I tried to go down this hallway that was next to her. And the harder I struggled and tried to get down this hallway, the more the hallway would constrict onto me and like keep me from moving. Um, like the harder I tried, the, the tighter it, it gripped me. And what I finally had to do to get out of that situation, like I tried to threaten the woman and like nothing I could do could hurt her. Um, I finally just had to like calm down and accept that like I couldn't like, I guess, defeat her and I had to kiss her in order to like exit. And I had to like, I guess, like show love or compassion. And I, when I woke up from that experience, I like got the impression that that was like something trying to tell me you, you really need to chill out here. You don't have to fight everything. Not everything out here is like trying to hurt you Mm -hmm. and you're causing a lot of trouble. And it almost, um, it, it like reminded me too of like, uh, like Sun Wukong and the Buddha, right. Where he tries to sort of escape the Buddhist grasp and, and travels, you know, millions of light years and then finds out that he's just at like the Buddhist palm or something. And that was, that was a really, that, that experience sort of changed the, um, the flavor of out of body experiences that I've had since then, where there, there've been a lot less, uh, adversarial in nature right. and more just sort of enjoyable being able to explore places. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the the astral traveling and, and, and journeying like that, has that influenced, say, some of your, your other endeavors, like the stuff we've discussed earlier? Like, do you, do you kind of stumble upon like a mushroom or plant consciousness or, or kind of concepts mm-hmm. um, that you develop? I can't say that I've, I've encountered anything that I knew was like a plant or mushroom consciousness. Um, I have had experiences in that state that I really could only describe as like, um, I don't know. I think the term HGA is extremely corny, but like I did do a divination at one point, like I got a name, I've been trying to make contact and I've had some dreams in which I met a man who looks just like I imagined him to look, who would uh, show me books. And uh, I remember it reminded me a lot of, of um, the stuff that uh, Dr. Al was talking about with a right. excellent book of the art of magic with being given books by spirits. Um, and the, the bad thing is though, I just don't remember what any of the books said. <laughs> like I've had multiple experiences where I, I remember one, I was like in a books, it was just, this was more like a dream. It wasn't so much an out-of-body experience, but a dream in which I was in a bookstore and this, you know, man in this white suit, um, who looks like, um, the entity, like I'd seen in a mirror at one point, like walked up to me and said, Oh, Hey, you should look at these books. These are really cool. And I was looking at this book and inside the book, it had like a register of spirits that I'd never 
seen before. And I was like, oh my God, like this is like a grimoire that I've never heard of before. Um, but the problem was, is like, it wasn't a lucid dream. So I didn't think to, this is important. I should remember this or like try to remember some of these spirit names or like write down some of this stuff. And I almost felt like really disappointed after that. Cause I was like, I felt like somebody was like trying to give me something there. Um, and I had a similar experience when I was, I was younger where I, I had a dream where I met this entity, uh, it was like black robed sort of spirit. And I recognized it as a spirit and asked it to tell me it's like sign and seal and what its offices were. And it like drew like in the stars, like sort of like a constellation that I could see like what its sigil looked like and everything. And, um, but of course, when I wake up, I don't remember anything more about it or like what its name was or anything. So it's, it's super frustrating. It's why I encourage people to like try to work on dream recall because you'll get taught a lot of really important things in dreams and dream recall isn't a, it's, it's a skill that has to be like honed and I'm like not going to BS and say I'm very good at it. I'm terrible at dream recall, but I'm like trying to get better at it. Because I, I realize that sometimes when you dream, you really are are given things and have contacts. And I mean, that that meeting spirits on the dream world, like lately, is even like what I've been encouraging people to do who are interested in like spirit contact and like ritual magic and stuff. Because even in Greek necromancy, conjuring a human shade to physical appearance was always sort of seen as like an unnecessarily complex or onerous thing to do it was much more simple to make an offering to them on their grave and, and take a nap right and meet them in a dream and there wasn't necessarily any delineation um in ancient people's minds that like dreams weren't real like your dreams are just as real as your waking lines uh just because something happened in a dream doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to it you know if you meet a god in your dream well then you met that god there's no you know, there's no. It was just a dream. Renny, it's been it's been, um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, Douglas Douglas mentioned to me. He said he said uh, you two will be a good chat. Uh, knowing that we were going to catch up, so um, I think he was right. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. It's um, I could easily do probably do another hour, but I won't even <laughs> voice that on you. You've got uh, stuff to do. Get on with your day. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and, um, and hopefully we can um, get you back on the spirit box sometime. That'd be great. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thank you for inviting me on. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Ren. That was a really interesting conversation. Great to speak to you. Um, do check out Ren's digital presence on in the show notes. He does a lot of really cool things and is one of the more interesting people on Twitter. So do check that out. Um, right, that's it from me. Thank you for listening. Take care and talk soon. <laughs>